for all those who feel called to build something bigger than themselves, but have no idea or representation as to how to bring it to pass. This podcast is for you. Let's figure it out together. Get ready. Let's build. Four, three, two, one. Everything that you've been through up until this point has helped you create your why. And when you have a strong why, nothing will stop you. Let's get this party started. If you didn't take a dance break, then you don't love me. If you were looking at your car playing this or your phone and looking at it weird, we're not friends. But if you took that moment to dance, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. Okay, here we go. For all of you who missed it, I'm going to give you another moment. Let's get this party started. Now, listen, I do understand that there are some of you right now um, who danced that time. There are some of you who you moved further in the, into your seat of judgment. You reclined, uh, I feel it now, in your judgment seat and you said, did he really just do it again? It was weird the first time. Here's, here, here's what I want us to understand. Here, here, here's what I need us to know. <laughs> this is my time. I'm on my trampoline. Uh, never mind. That's an Amanda Seals quote if you know who that is. The five of you will get that. The rest have now for about a strong minute and 22 seconds have been bewildered and um all i have to say to you is this is what it's like to hang out with me in real life so that either made you want it want to get to know me more or less at any rate welcome to the building without a blueprint podcast my name is princeton parker and uh i too can cold switch so as to um not be (laughs) ratchet and weird but to Uh, be rather welcoming and formal that you might know that this is uh, a spiritual motivational and educational platform by which you can hear words interviews sermons conversations that are both um, relevant thought-provoking and ultimately inspiring that you might find um, healing okay I'm done (laughs) hi is the point of that it took two minutes just to say hi I'm glad you're here okay can we just agree on that I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you pressed play okay um can i just ask like where did this year go who took it you know first when it was like january february it was it was like 17 years occurred every day and now i'm like hold on but we you know my (laughs) life is going so fast my hairline is receding farther that's how fast life is going the wind of time is blowing back my hairline uh probably about an inch a day by the end of 2020, I will most likely be bald, but I'll have hair uh, beginning at the at the like back of my head, sort of like the Uncle Phil. Anyway, uh, what's up, y'all? Thank you for joining. I'm excited about this week's episode. I'm gonna get right to it because I've always I've already wasted enough time. Here's the point: we be quoting scriptures that we don't know nothing about. 
sigh. I just got that out. Can you tell that's been in me? One of the things that I've realized is that even people who are in the church quote scriptures and we are like biblically illiterate. And one of the things that I've learned and committed to as a preacher is that a scripture is almost devoid of accurate meaning when you take it out of its context. And we have to be contextual biblical interpreters. We have to be contextual preachers um, for two reasons. Number one, so that you don't end up saying things that don't mean what you say it means. And then second of all, so that you can get the richest meaning. So in some cases, we're quoting scriptures and we're getting the wrong meaning. In other cases, we're quoting scriptures and we're getting some okay meaning. But if you really went and unpacked the context, you would get richer meaning. And so we do scriptures like that all the time. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And so we walk up to stuff and we'd be like, I could have that house because Christ can give me the strength. Um, not necessarily what that's saying. Or you could be like, I could be an astronaut. Um, no, you have to like go to school and like like numbers. You know, you don't even like to count your change when you get it at the store. So I I doubt that being an astronaut. Anyway, the point is that statement is not about I can do anything on the planet. I've got limits and limitations and and whatever. What that scripture in context, the verses right before that, Paul is talking about how in every stage of life. He's had to learn how to be content when he's on top and making money, when he's on the bottom, not making money in a relationship, out of a relationship. People like him. They don't like him. He has had to learn in every state to be content. So then that verse says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what is Paul saying? It's not that I could just do anything on the planet. What he's saying is I have developed the tools so that I can be okay and know who I am and who I am in God, no matter what situation I find myself in. That's a richer meaning than I can go be an astronaut. Now, I'm not saying if you want to be an astronaut, don't reach for that. If you want to study and invest the time that it takes to do it, go do it and the grace of God be with you. But what I'm saying is we have to read things in context so that we can get the right meaning. And so, you know, we've been messing up Jeremiah 29, 11. I just have to say it. We've been messing it up in our Christianese. And here's the other thing, too. Part of it is because we hear scripture on social media. And so what happens is we post a scripture more like a motivational quote than a scripture. Motivational quotes don't need context because they're not a part of a larger story. Scriptures need context because they are a part of larger stories. All right. So I came across this scripture and I was just reading. I was just like, let me see what this be saying, you know, because we be, you know, (laughs) For I know the thoughts I think towards the year. For I know the plans I... And you've seen it on Pinterest. Bet money you've seen it on your Instagram like 10 times. You've seen it on your Facebook. Some of y'all is in your Instagram bios. And you don't know what the 10 verses said before that. More power to you. And this is not a read or a rebuke. I'm just saying like we got to do better. And here's the thing. When I started reading the context of Jeremiah 29 and 11, I was like, and I... Oop. I don't like this verse. <laughs> like if I'm being straight up, like, and and when you really, when you really hear the context, you would have to come out with like a, uh, I don't know how I feel about this in its context, but then it provides some deeper meaning, particularly about how we can combat anxiety. So here's what we about to do. We are about to run the expose on Jeremiah 29, 11, because somebody has to do it. 
And maybe you've heard it before. Maybe this will be old news to you because you do contextual reading. But if you haven't, I invite you to go on this journey with me to find out about this scripture and how it relates to anxiety. And then number two, I want you to commit to reading verses that you've been quoting all of your life, but really, really, really study where they came from and get a true knowledge of the word of God for yourself so that one, you won't be getting the wrong meaning. And so that two, you can be getting the deepest meaning. Here we go. The truth about Jeremiah 29 and 11. Let's do it. We're working through anxiety because it is one of the premier topics of discussion in our world, in our culture, and in our church. And what I hope uh, that you have grasped onto by now is that anxiety is not something that's happening out there somewhere yonder with some other people. It sits right here among us. And until we are willing to confront that and have that conversation, we might perhaps be saved but live bound. And that's not God's desire for our life. We know this because of our central thematic verse for this entire series. No matter where we go, it all hinges upon this foundation, which is John 10 and 10. The thief cometh not but for two. Uh-huh. Great. Jesus then positions Jesus's own uh, sort of purpose against that of the enemy. And he says, I am come that you might have life. Fantastic. And life more abundantly, right? So we've been unpacking that. That's why we have these kinds of discussions. Why Why would you be preaching about anxiety? Well, because it's a part of my life and, right? That, that first life we've unpacked, we know, to, to encompass salvation, right? That when I am made right with God, that is, that is the best life. How many of you know if you don't have that, then you, you're missing life just all together. But, but that serves as a beginning point. It serves as a starting point that from there, it's not just about is my future secure in heaven and have I been reconciled back to God? It is about has that relationship now ignited a separate and different and more enhanced quality of life even down here on earth? So we've been unpacking that and how does that relate to our mental and emotional health? So we've talked about so many parts of anxiety We've talked about where it lives, that it exists on all three levels. It exists in the flesh, in the body. It exists in the emotions, the mind, the will, or the soul realm. So it exists in the flesh, the soul, and it exists in the spirit realm. We haven't got a chance to get there yet, but we will. And so we learned that we have to address it on all three levels. Why? Because that's the way Jesus used to address things. So we've moved out of talking about anxiety, the the emotion, the illness, the trauma associated with it started to look at it in scripture, we were able to see that even Jesus, our savior, wrestled with anxiety. We were able to see that sometimes anxiety is shaped by our expectations, like Naaman, the leper, who uh, had a degree of anxiety because even though he was about to be healed, his healing wasn't coming the way that he thought it would or should. So sometimes our anxiety comes because we are so busy trying to get things our way that we end up working ourselves into anxiety. Let me show you another place in scripture that serves as an answer to anxiety. Go to Jeremiah 29 and 11. Familiar passage of scripture. Familiar passage of scripture. And we're going to do some work. Some of us can quote this just on general principle. 
but let's read it together, all right? So let's start with chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Watch this. What kind of thoughts? Thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. And those thoughts are thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Now that's a great place to shout. That'll preach itself if you let it. You ain't got to do too much work with that one. As a matter of fact, quite a few people have already done some sufficient work with, for I know the thoughts, you know, that, that'll, I mean, you ain't even got to work hard. All you got to do is throw some dramatics on that. And it is just, you know, for I know the thoughts that I, right? Even in social media, this is one of the most Instagrammed and tweeted and Facebook verses anywhere. And people love uh, different translations of this, right? They love not just, for I know the thoughts, they love to say, for I know the plans that I have for you, right? One translation says the plans. It's one of the most popular verses. Why? Because it's so affirming. It, it is affirming that, that God says, uh, I'm going to give you an expected end. It's all going to be all right. You don't have to worry because things are, are turning. They are working together. They are, they are coming together. They are aligning together so that it's all all right. And so what do we do? We hear this verse and then we shout. We hear this verse and we post it. We hear this verse and we make devotionals and affirmations and everything out of it. Why? Because we just love this verse. But you know what we don't do? Bishop, we never read verses 1 through 10. And just in case you never have, that's what we go do today. Verse one. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah, the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders, which were carried away as captives and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jaconia, the king and the queen and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elisa, the son of Shaphan and Gamaria, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And this is what the letter said. Verse four. Watch this. This is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives. This is what he says. Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Verse 5. Build ye houses and dwell in them. And plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Get married, take ye wives and have sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons. And give your daughters to husbands that, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. Watch this. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. 
For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Context is everything. Have you ever prayed to God for something and God's answer was, yeah, but not right now. Have you ever prayed and prayed earnestly? And, and you knew, you knew that you were praying in the will of God, praying in faith, doing everything that God was, was telling you to do. And you just knew. And God said, I'm going to do it, but not right now. This chapter is interesting because there's a people who it's not like they're going through like a rough patch. And then out comes the scripture for I know the thoughts. No, these are people who have been driven out of their homeland. Th these are people who are being held by a dominant power and, and they don't even get to, to live life under their own rulership. Th these are people who have been taken in the midst of their life. They were enjoying life one moment, stolen at a moment, and driven to live life under somebody else's rule and ownership. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, this tyrant, this power-hungry man who, who we know was obsessed with his own self and his own pride, there, there was something so profound about Babylonian conquest that they weren't just a people full of power, but, but they were a people full of violence as well. They, they believed in violent captivity. It wasn't enough to take you. They had to take you and do something to you. The Bible even outlines who they, who was taken. That's why it says that, that they took the eunuchs and the smithsmen and the craftsmen because they wanted to make sure that not only did we steal you, but we took the people who could possibly make weapons. They were strategic. We don't just want to take you. We want to, we want to steal your ability, watch this, to be strong again. And so here they are, Jeremiah is in another country writing them a letter while they're in captivity. And he says that even the king and the queen and, and even those uh, under Zedekiah, even those that were craftsmen have all been taken. And, and Jeremiah says a couple of things that are important. First thing he says, this is what the Lord God says to you. I'm the Lord God that sent you here. Just imagine <laughs> you in captivity and your pastor sends you a word of encouragement to say, hey, God said God did this. He'd be like, I'm going to find me a new pastor. <laughs> find me one to know how to be encouraging in a time of need. Jeremiah says, order of business number one. God says, I did this. Jeremiah says, order of business number one. You can't blame the devil for everything. Order of business number one. Just because it hurts doesn't mean it's not God. 
This is why we did our series on productive pain versus abusive pain. Because if we grow up in this culture that says anything that hurts, avoid it, sometimes you're going to be trying to work your way out of some stuff that God ordained. So we can't get to 11 until we sit with five for a minute. He says, first of all, God did this. God allowed this to happen. He says something else that's very profound. He says, build houses here. Wait, wait, wait. Excuse me, bro. My objective is to get out of here and get back to the land that belonged to me. And Jeremiah says, no, the word of the Lord is plant. Get married. No, 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 no. Ain't nobody trying to fall in love and I'm afraid for my life. Jeremiah, you got this kind of kind of mixed up. My my goal is to get out of this season. My goal is to get a new job, not be comfortable with the one I got. My job, my focus right now is trying to get married, not remaining single. My focus right now is trying to get my life back, not managing with this current budget that I have that I don't like. No, my job is trying to get to that city, not do it. No, what what I'm trying to do, Jeremiah, I'm trying to get some new family members, not love the ones I have. No, no, Jeremiah, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get promoted to be the leader of the organization, not have to figure out what I'm trying to do under three bosses. No, Jeremiah, you don't understand. What I'm trying to do is be a CEO, not be a faithful employee. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you don't understand. My whole existence right now is about getting to the next thing. And Jeremiah says the word of the Lord is that you can't get to next until you've made peace with now. Eleven has no context without one through ten, which is you ain't going nowhere for a minute. And for many of us, the root of our anxiety is that we've not made peace with right now. That we as a culture have become so future focused that everything is about my next, my next house, my next job, my next engagement, my next big break, my next opportunity. And God says, am I God of now? Or do you only need me to transport you to where you're going? Jeremiah says, God's word to you actually Now watch this. I hear you, Holy Ghost. This is the same God who knows how to speed things up. How do I know? Let's go back to Exodus. This is the same God who spoke through Moses and said, tell them pack up their stuff because it's moving time. And you got a day to get ready because I'm about to send victory. Same God. So Israel has become acquainted with the God of the suddenly, but they have not become acquainted with the God of not yet. They have lived in forward movement. So they're a little unaccustomed to hearing God say, chill here for a minute. Jeremiah says, build houses. First of all, what he's saying is, anchor yourself. You're too hasty. So one of the first things you have to do, if I were to subtitle this, I would call it the power of being present, the power of being present. We're still in our anxiety series, but what is one of the solutions to anxiety? It is the power of being present in a season. The first thing he says, build houses, anchor yourself. You're too flighty. I've learned that one of the ways I I know that uh, (laughs) anxiety manifests, I sometimes am one of the most um, impatient drivers. 
because I'm forever going somewhere. So when people drive the speed limit, just like legally, that gets on my last nerve. Because I believe that everybody ought to be doing 86 because I think that everybody should overplan their lives like I have. And so I don't understand. You mean to tell me like you're just driving? You're not driving being late to something? I, I just I don't understand that. I'm forever about to be late. You know what I'm saying? Like, like my, my car doesn't know beneath 40, you know, unless, you know, unless it's just like two o'clock in the morning. And even then I'm like, well, it's two o'clock. We got open road. So let's do 90. Uh, <laughs> I, and, and so I've, I've learned that sometimes as I'm driving. I've, I have literally had to pause because I will feel myself driving like this. <laughs> like the steering wheel is like in my chest. I'm just like. <laughs> Jeremiah says, anchor yourself. Build a house. Watch this. It's not just about this ho- the house. The house is a representation of a system. When you're just trying to get to the next thing, ain't nothing consistent in your life. Because you feel like I'm not planning to be here, so why set up a system? Build a house. Settle. Make a system. He says, plant gardens. House, symbol of stability, symbol of anchoring. It's a symbol of a system. Plant gardens. Goes back to that commandment, being fruitful and multiply. Make investments. Why am I investing in a place I don't intend to live? Why am I planting gardens where I don't intend to eat? You want to think about that? If I don't like you and I got to live at your house, listen, I (laughs) I ain't trying to cook you a spaghetti dinner. I don't like you. And in fact, I hate the fact that I'm here. But I ain't got nowhere else to go. So I'm going to be on your couch and we just going to be quiet. But what I'm not about to do is cook you dinner. And the word of the Lord says, you should probably cook dinner every night. Make investments. Here's what I've learned. When you are in a rush to get there, you miss ways that you're supposed to sow here. Watch this. I believe that sometimes we can be so marriage hungry that we bypass non-romantic friendships. If you ain't my husband, what, what I'm going to use you for? So listen, God bless. We are sometimes so entrepreneurial hungry. And oftentimes our desire for entrepreneurship, we've got to check it because sometimes it doesn't always come from purpose. Sometimes it comes from capitalism. We've just been sold this idea that the quickest way to be this is to do it this way. I'm not speaking against entrepreneurship. But I think it's fantastic. We've got to make sure that the, that the intention is right. And or sometimes, I know a lot of people who just want to be entrepreneurs because they just don't want to submit. And it's like, uh-huh, well, that's wrong because even when you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have to submit to someone or something. That's a whole different discussion. But so entrepreneurial hungry that we bypass Certain roles and certain opportunities that are developmental, that God wants to sow in our lives. But uh, this ain't the one I own. So sometimes we are so hungry for a mentor, an advocate, or someone in our life that looks like how we want to look someday. That we bypass the people in our church with the necessary wisdom we need for life, for marriage, for business for healing. Build a house. Anchor. 
develop a system because because right now you're all over the place. Two, plant gardens, make investments, sow and reap even in this place you don't intend to live in forever. God says that just because you're not going to live here forever doesn't mean it's not worth your investment. Here it is. In certain seasons, you have to be willing to sow some stuff that is not even intended for you to reap from. And you know what God is checking in many of us? This desire we have to only invest in the things that directly benefit us. There are going to be some things that God will call you to that you won't see, but your grandchildren will. That they might not see here, but this organization will see it. That you might not make the money off this idea. Uh Uh-oh. That this connection may not directly benefit you, but God says, I still want you to sow it. Watch this, because even though it's not your ground, it's still a ground I've called you to. Here it is. Can you sow when the ground's not yours? Can you sow where you don't own the field? And here's where God's been checking me. Can you sow in it like it's yours? Because if you just sow, but every time you're looking to be seen sowing, and, and every time you're like, they better be glad I'm ain't gonna be too much longer that I'm they better enjoy me while they got me, because I'm going. <laughs> God's like, okay. Can you sow in it like it's yours? I'm gonna let you in, a, in, a, in I'm gonna do that at the end. I'm gonna tell you how all this relates to me personally. Can you sow in it like it's yours? even when it's not yet. Make investments. Learn here. Grow here. Develop here. Ask questions. Oh my goodness, there it is. When you're always trying to get to next, it is a reflection that you believe that now has nothing left to offer, which is often a manifestation of pride. What this current job got to teach me, I deal with... um, Many of my, my cast members who I develop, and one of my responsibilities as a manager in our area is I'm in charge of leadership development. And so many of them will come to me with their leadership questions, and, and I love it. It's by far one of my favorite parts of what I do. I actually had this conversation very recently with a lead, and a lead is, is our term for someone who is a kind of like on-the-grounds supervisor. We manage the locations on this level. They're actually on the ground supervising. And so they have the opportunity when they apply, they can get one restaurant and add to their areas of responsibility. And one of the things I hear all the time that I correct is that sometimes they come to me and they say, I'm ready to apply for the next location. Watch this. Because I feel like I've already learned what there is to learn at this location. To that, I have a few responses. Sometimes if you want to be petty, then you can ask them something you know they don't know just to prove they don't know everything. But oftentimes what it will lead to is a discussion. And I'll say, well, have you considered this? And and if that be the case, have you come up with a solution for this? And well, well, talk me through how would you approach this? This is an unsolved problem we have at this restaurant. How would you approach this? And in navigating that conversation, what hopefully they realize is, it's actually a sign that you're not ready if your reason for applying is because, hey, I, I just kind of think I mastered this. And when you have, that will be demonstrated in your action. 
not in your request for the next level. Let me say that again. Your mastery of this level will be seen by how you handle this level, not by your request for the next level. When you're handling it right, the promotion comes to you and says, hey, you know, I've been seeing you. I just really think that there's more in you than what, I mean, you've been killing this. I've seen you do X, Y, and Z. Well, <laughs> I had a, a friend of mine who was a mentor. He was another manager. And he said to me, he said, typically, if you have to say you are something, you might not be it. If you got to say you're ready, nah, it's not to tell you ain't ready. <laughs> if you got to say, I'm just so done with it, uh, you probably not. I make investments because I realize there's still something for me to gain from this level. Am I going to be here forever? No. Do I like this? Not at all. Do I still have more to learn? Absolutely. Jeremiah says, build houses, settle, anchor patterns, plant gardens, make investments. Then he says, get married. Don't wait until life is the way you want it to invest in relationships with the people that matter. God has been slapping me in the face with this recently. Because for many of us, when you live trying to get to next, you put your dream before your relationship with others. And so you believe that the most important thing in your life is hustling for what God's about to do. I, uh, look, y'all, and oh, wow, wow, wow. That comes from the foolish belief that you have all the time in the world for them. Eventually, I'll get to them. But, but my dream is on a countdown. When in actuality, what's on a countdown is our time with those we love. What I'm learning and trying to internalize at 25 is at Princeton, you, you probably got another 60 years for the stuff you see. And it sits like a weight because I, I see way too much for the future. And because so much has come so early in my life, I think it's all supposed to happen right now. Like I, I see stuff that I can't stand. I literally get headaches because, I, because of the, the level of, of, of what I see. And God has to gently remind me time and time again, you got years for that. He says, love people where you are. Jeremiah says, success doesn't need to be a prerequisite for relationship. Let me talk to men in the room because I'm young man. We are sometimes the worst at this. We believe that our value is in what we achieve, not how we love. And what we will find is a legacy that we built for ourselves, as great as it might look on paper, is one that will not last. Yes, we provided, but were we present? Jesus, Lord, I have to say that again. Yes, we provided, and that's incredible. That's our calling. But were we present? You know what I've learned? We, like, learn different family members. I used to, um, I've got a younger brother named Preston, who I love. One of the things I used to do is when Preston and I wouldn't talk for a long time, I would do something lavish and be like, look at your older brother. One time, I spent probably close to $600 for us to go see this particular show, $600, $700. The show was amazing, right? 
I surprise them like, we love this. Look at, the, look at us. And our seats is good too. Look at your big brother. And then I would be in certain conversations and it would get back to me what Preston was processing about our relationship in these other conversations that um, he felt like we didn't talk. Well, I haven't talked to my brother and he felt like all these things. And so for me, I was like, wait, we were this expensive show for your birthday. We had brunch in the sky. We were literally like on the 72nd floor of this. It was, listen, that spot is fantastic. First of all, if you want to talk about one of the best brunch spots in Los Angeles, we were overlooking the entire city. And I was like, Parker brothers. On my dude's 21st birthday, brunch in the sky, get at us. I learned that the measure of how he internalized love is just when I hit accept when he calls. And he don't be talking about nothing. And listen, the overachiever in me is like, if we're going to be on the phone, unless I'm dating you, I really don't want a long conversation. Now, if you're cute, then let's, you know, let's just sit up and <laughs> but, but, you know, if it ain't that, then look, let's make this three minutes because I've got 19 other things on my brain that I want to do to feel accomplished, to feel like I'm getting closer to where I'm headed. But just to hit accept and be on the phone. Jeremiah says, are you present? Build houses, create systems, get settled, plant gardens, make investments, get married, have children, love people. Let me take you to the last one, and I'm going home. It's where it gets deep. It's where it gets deep. Jeremiah says, pray for the city that has you in captive. Look, let me tell you something. I almost didn't preach this part. The first three are great. I love the first three, you know. It's like answer phone calls, be on time to work, love people, you know, get a system. That's great. I like that. He says, pray for the city that has you in in captivity. Watch this. He says, dear God. (laughs) He tells them to pray for something specific. He says, Pray for the peace of the city. Watch this. Not your city. He doesn't say, pray for the peace of your homeland. That's not what he says. Jeremiah says, the word of the Lord is, pray for the city that has you in captivity. Here's what he's saying. That if you're going to be present, it's not just about you building systems. And it's not just about you making investments. And it's not just about you loving people because at the end of the day, all those things benefit you. To be truly present means your attitude about where you are has to change. And it doesn't until you pray for the well-being of it. Because you can't pray for something you're not concerned about. Let me say it again. You can't effectively pray for something you're not concerned about. So Jeremiah says the word of the Lord is, all those things are great, but those things benefit you. Now what you need to do is get in the habit of praying for what has you in captivity. Your whole attitude about this season of your life has to change. Your attitude about singleness has to change before marriage comes. Your attitude about being an employee has to change before entrepreneurship comes. 
Your attitude about living with this particular family member has to develop and grow and mature before you get the chance to move out this way. Your attitude about who your children are currently has to change and develop before they grow into who you believe they should be. Your attitude about where your church is currently must change and grow and develop before your church can become what it's going to be. He says that the central thing that must happen in order for you to be anchored and settled in this season is that you have to have an entire heart shift because you're talented, but your heart doesn't line up with the season. You're qualified, but your heart doesn't line up. Yeah, you deserve a new move, but your heart doesn't line up. And that's why you're not present because it's really a reflection of your heart. Watch this. And so anxiety has become a manifestation of all the works that I do. And God says that sometimes the answer to that anxiety is a changed heart. A heart that has made peace with right now. A heart that says, this ain't where I want to be. But God, you're here too. And watch this. Jeremiah says that the reason that these are your instructions, it's there in the text. He says, it's because even while you're in captivity, you're going to be multiplied. And God says, while you are rushing to get to the next, you are missing that I'm trying to multiply you in the now. Watch this. So that you can go into your next with more than what you came into this season with. Watch this. Watch this. If I deliver you from Babylonian captivity right now, you don't go with nothing. You free, but where your stuff at? You free, but you still look like the trauma you just experienced. Yeah, you got a new marriage, but you ain't healed yet. Yeah, you got a new house, but your spending is still out of control. Yeah, you got a new business, but you're still an angry person. So God says, if I free you, but don't develop you first, then what do you even go into the next season with? All you have is a new opportunity, but not a new future. Jeremiah says, word of the Lord is that this is for your multiplication. I love this next part. Jeremiah says, um, you had some people that came on the Word Network and TBN and Daystar and Rejoice and Impact Network. You can tell I'm churchy because I know all, all the Christian networks. By the way, support Impact Network. It's fantastic. They're Black-owned. They're incredible. They're starting up. Jeremiah says, you're somebody who came on, they came to your city, they ran a, a three-day revival. And they said, in seven days, the Lord will turn it around. Slap three people and tell them seven days. And you slapped everybody. You were slapping weaves off. You were slapping makeup and eyelashes off because the, the prophet said seven days. And then at the end of it, the prophet said, now lift your hands to the Lord. I was in my hotel room and the Lord began to deal with me about what I was to do in this moment. And he said that because there's going to be a seven day turnaround, if you will sow a $700 seed 
that is on the level. Now, this is only for those that really believe. This is only, I'm not talking to everybody, but I was in my hotel room. They put me up at the Four Seasons, thanks be to God. And as I was sitting at the Four Seasons, I said, God, what is it? And, and I just heard this so clearly, as sure as you've spoken my name, I, I heard a $700 miracle agreement seed. And, and if you will just fill this center line, you can give by any means that you want to. You can give by card or by give Lafay or Cash App or Venmo or or by check or by cash. But if you sow this seed, God's going to do it in seven days. And so you opened up your Wells Fargo app and all you had was 705 in the checking. But but you said, I so believe in what the prophet said. I'm going to go ahead. And, and you got in the line and Jeremiah said, I know that that's what they've been doing to you. Jeremiah said, but, but let me let me set the record straight. The word of the Lord is you about to be here for a minute. I know what they said, and I know it felt good when they said it. Now, it could have been true for somebody. But Jeremiah said, for y'all, God said, you're going to be here a minute. I need you to hear, though, how dissettling that is to say that to people in captivity. I need us to not hear it with our first world problems where, you know, some of us are, are waiting on, I'm, and I'm not saying that they're not legitimate situations, but I, I need us to hear when you tell somebody who has been stolen from their land, imagine somebody shows up to your house and forcibly takes you from it to go live in the middle of nowhere. And Bishop, myself, Pastor Jerry were to call you and say, the word of the Lord is you're going to be here for a minute. It was so disheartening. Sometimes. Anxiety is because of past trauma. Sometimes anxiety is because of a disorder that is present. There is something chemically occurring that must be addressed. Sometimes anxiety occurs because of, remember we unpacked this in sermon one, the perceived threat of a future event, right? But sometimes it comes because all I want is next instead of seeing God in my now. In what ways has God been calling you to live in the now? In what ways has God been tugging on your heart to take this season more seriously? As a friend of mine. And um, remember, I, I was talking to this friend. Um, she's a teacher. And we were just talking about life and, and ministry. And she does some similar stuff with worship leading. We were just talking about ministry. And she said something interesting. She said, she asked me how was work. And so I started just kind of unloading. Because you know how you, you have a friend that you feel like um, wants to come to your pity party. You know, you just feel like they, they want to be there. They don't mind. They <laughs> bring the refreshments. <laughs> That's so good. So I began to tell her about the things I was frustrated with and what I felt like hadn't happened yet and what I, et cetera, et cetera. This was about four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, around six, five, before our end of review time, which is where we sit with our bosses to talk about how the year went. So I finally got it all off my chest, and I'm done. And she said, I, I was waiting for, man, they shouldn't be doing you like that. Like, you, you know, it's, it's time. It's time. You know, it's time for something different. I, you know, just, I was waiting for that. Instead, she asked me a question. I'll never forget it for as long as I live. She said, are you being present? Excuse me, 
wasn't the point of this. And it, it arrested me in that moment. Because what she was saying was, I, I know what you're talking about, about where you want to go, but are you giving it 100 where you are? And I said to her, I said, you know what, I got to be honest, I'm not. And you know where that was reflected? In me being late to work a lot. Because I hadn't made peace with this season. It was like, ah, all right, well, you know. And thinking, and, and it, it, it manifested in personality differences. It manifested in a whole bunch of stuff. And you think that people can't tell. Everybody can see you except you. So now, it's about to be year interview. And Prince has done all these amazing things in his role. But he's slipping on the small stuff. He's done great things for the business, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've learned that apparently I'm good at business. It's fantastic. But, but, but the small, the small stuff. My friend said, I dare you to be present. She said, I dare you to rededicate to loving something that's not permanent. Here's what wrecked me. That's what she said. I'm going to leave this with you and I'm done. She said, even your worst days deserve the best you. I hate to be that guy, fam. But it was done to me, so here you go. God might not be moving tomorrow. For some of you, God is. So if that's the word over your life, stay prepared. Don't, don't build a house here if God took, listen, because then you're going to mess everything up. And then don't tell me I'm the reason why your season's all out of line because I ain't responsible for the Holy Ghost speaking to you directly, okay? I, I give the Logos, and then it becomes rhema through the Holy Spirit for you in your own prayer time and study, okay? So don't be ignoring what God told you to do and be like, well, Princeton said that I was just supposed to, Mm-mm, fam, listen, you better show up to that job interview and take that and then pay your tithes, hallelujah. And my cash app, never mind. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm slightly over time. But for some, God might not be moving swiftly. Because God's already shown you that God can be miraculous. What God wants to show you now is I'm a present help in trouble. What God wants to show you now is that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing because God is with me. What God wants to show you is when you walk through the fires, they will not consume you. And when you walk through the flood, they will not overtake you. What God wants to show you is, I'm not going to give you the destination right now because I'm trying to teach you that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. I'm, I'm not necessarily moving tomorrow because what I'm trying to teach you, I'm trying to teach you to trust in the Lord with all that heart and lean not unto that under, own understanding, but in all that ways, acknowledge me and I will direct that path. I'm not moving tomorrow, but that's because I'm trying to teach you that I'll keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on. I know you're going to praise me when I do it, but I'm not going to do it because I'm trying to develop you so you'll say, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. God knows that that's a hard word to hear. God, how am I going to make it? You mean to tell me I, I got I to sit in this for a minute and glorify you in it and be faithful in it? Lord, how am I supposed to do this when my kid's acting crazy and the money's not where I wanted to be yet and I see all this stuff I don't have? God, how am I supposed to do it? And in fact, sometimes living in the present, it don't immediately relieve the anxiety. Sometimes it creates more anxiety because you're uncomfortable where you are and that can create a fear. Lord, how am I supposed to exist in this place that's uncomfortable for me? And God says, hold on. I know the thoughts I think toward you. 
Watch this. And my thoughts aren't anxious. I wish I had time to preach that. Maybe I will. That the reason why I trust God is because God's not anxious. My thoughts are at peace. Watch this. To give you an expected end. When you push towards your next, it's a symbol that you don't believe that it's really coming. I got to grind. I got to do it. 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 Because if I don't, it won't happen. Well, well, are you doing it or God? So the whole point is, Jeremiah 29 and 11 is only to give you the hope to obey 1 through 10. And that, what comes out of that obedience, what comes out of that presence, what comes out of that consistency, what comes out of that worship is the power of being present. Father, I thank you. Words like this are not fun because we've been conditioned to believe that you're always just going to do it. But, but Lord, we might be like Israel in Babylonian captivity that in this particular moment you said, hey, sit here for a minute. I want to develop you here. I want to grow you here. And so, Lord, our answer is yes, because we know that you can be trusted with our right now. Oh, dear God. So we submit it to you in Jesus' name. And I thank you that as we remain faithful over these few things, we shall be rulers over many. In the master's name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, so um, not to be that guy, but is that still your favorite scripture or no? <laughs> uh, no, no shade, though. Listen, um, I really hope you walked away with a fuller understanding of that verse and More importantly, I want you to reflect like I had to about are there some things that I've been having anxiety about because I'm trying to rush out of what God is trying to get me to be content in. Sometimes that could be a particular job. It could be um, living in a particular city where you're like, oh, I'm going to live, blah, blah, blah. And God's like, hey. Can you plant here for a little bit? Um, Sometimes it's in a job that we don't like. And we're like, Lord, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Promotion, promotion, promotion. And God's like, hey, can you be productive here? Can you see the value of being here? Sometimes it's when we're not in a relationship. And for many of us, most of our lives have been spent being in a relationship. And so we don't even know what that looks or feels like to not be in one. And, uh, Sometimes God will say, hey, I need you to stay in this single season and be productive and love yourself and invest in friendships and family and all that kind of stuff. So are there any parts in your life where God says, hey, I'm not about to make any sudden moves. I'm going to leave you here, but it is because I want you to see the value of being here. And is there room in having our anxiety brought down by making peace with our present and deciding to live fully in it? My prayer for you is that you would find the joy in your present Find the joy in your now and don't just have all of your joy be attached to your next. That sometimes God's going to say no, but we're going to have the strength to know that in that time where God has said that we will be able to have peace and joy and a full life and we will be obedient. And the reason why we will have that strength is because we know that God knows that there's a plan after this. God knows that there's a season after this. God knows that there is hope and joy and love coming. And that is what gives me the strength to anchor down in this season where uh, I'm going to be left here for a minute. I'm standing with you. I'm praying for you. I love you. 
Thank you for tuning into this. I hope that you will uh, subscribe to this podcast, share this episode with someone who needs it, um, share this episode with someone else who has might have felt one way about Jeremiah 29 and 11 and share this with them so they can have a fuller understanding of the scripture. But more importantly, share this with someone who, like me, has had some problems being present in season and let them know that being present can strengthen us so that we can struggle less with anxiety. So I love you. Thanks for listening to this. And as I say all of the time, with God as your foundation and purpose as your motivation, keep building family. <laughs>